I was thinking all week uh, about this particular twin gifts that I'll be talking about today. And my mind hearkened to the time when our kids were small and the challenges about finding good schools for them. And I know some of you young moms and dads, it's always a challenge at finding the right school for your children. I'm aware of those challenges. And I know now, even before you buy a house, it tells you what school district or what school that your kids can go to. And it is of vital importance. In fact, so many uh, right here in this church who out of exasperation with the system, they opted for homeschooling, and that's definitely understandable. The concern is justified because knowledge is important. The right knowledge is of vital importance, but what is extremely or of immense importance is the ability to apply this right knowledge. In fact, I read of how from the beginning of time till 1750, just think about this. I don't know how many thousands of years are. From the beginning of time to 1750, knowledge has doubled. From 1750 to 1900, knowledge doubled again. And I want you to notice the shortness of the time. And between 1900 and 1950, knowledge doubled again. But then between 1950 and 1960, a mere 10-year period, knowledge doubled again. And now knowledge is doubling in less than 22 months, every 22 months. And that is why dictators and despots know the danger of knowledge. Hitler believed that ignorance goes hand in hand with gullibility. And that is why Satan, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, he knows And that is why he works overtime in order to keep God's people in ignorance from the Word of God, which is the most important knowledge of all. Now, I know some people confuse schooling with knowledge. We think because somebody has a string of degrees, that means they know something. Some pride themselves in the scholarly pursuit, but they lack even what the world calls common sense knowledge. (laughs) A friend of mine told me, about one of those snobbish academicians who was happened to be crossing the Nile on a canoe. And this man was so proud of his academic degrees. And, and he goes into that canoe at the Nile River in the widest part. And he arrogantly asked the canoe peddler, Have you studied philosophy? And the man said, No, not really. I've never had the chance. And as he paddling away, he said, uh, man waited a minute, two later, he said, now, have you studied psychology? And the man said, no, I'm sorry. I've never had the chance. He said, oh, you missed half of your life, not studying all these important things. Well, halfway through in the widest part of the river, the paddler said to our snobbish academician, he said, "Um, do you know how to swim? And the man said, no, I just didn't waste my time on such trivial pursuit. And the guy said, we just sprang a leak and you're about to lose all of your life. (laughs) Someone said that the reason universities are filled with knowledge is because freshmen bring very little to it, and seniors take nothing of it, and so it accumulates (laughs) in the university. The Apostle Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit 
gives some people in the body, not everybody, but gives some people in the body of Christ knowledge and wisdom as a special gift from the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I don't want you to switch off and say, well, I don't have that, because I'm going to come to you in a minute. (laughs) While knowledge and wisdom are different, they're not the same, and yet they're often closely connected, they are closely related. Why? Because knowledge is information, and wisdom is the ability to apply the right information in the right situation. From worldly perspective, knowledge helps you to make a living, but wisdom makes a life. Our world is bulging with knowledge and bulging with information, but we are bereft, we are bankrupt of wisdom. Let me explain to you how that can work. You get two people, they both are bright, and they're studying accountancy, and they both graduate as CPA. One has wisdom and the other one doesn't. They both have the same knowledge. The one with the wisdom is able to apply his knowledge for the good of the company and keeps good, clean records, and the other uses his knowledge to juggle the books and embezzle from the company. You see, from a spiritual sense, it works the same. The gift of knowledge is the ability to search and synthesize and systematize the teaching of the Word of God. It is the supernatural ability to illuminate the Word of God. It is that ability to acquire deep insights into the Word of God. And that is why the gift of knowledge is closely linked with the gift of teaching. And that is why, as Christians, I said, we must not marginalize knowledge. Why? Because whether you have the gift of the Holy Spirit of knowledge and wisdom or not, by virtue of being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, by virtue of the fact that you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are to grow in knowledge and in wisdom. That's the command of the Scripture. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it tells us that we must grow in knowledge. In fact, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5, he prays for the Corinthians that God may enrich them in all utterance and all knowledge. Paul again prays for the Colossians in 1.9. He said that they might be filled with knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Every believer is obligated to use knowledge and wisdom and grow in knowledge and wisdom. We can't sit back and say, well, I don't have the gift of knowledge and wisdom. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13? Matthew 16, 13. Jesus asked the disciples. Again, it's just Yusuf translation, but you'll get the meaning. What does the Gallup poll say who I am? What does Rasmussen research says that who I am? And, of course, again, a rough translation. Some of them said 25% of the population say that you are Elijah. Another 50% say that you are John the Baptist. Another 20% are saying you're one of the prophets. They said, okay, let me stop you right here. Who do you say that I am? And while they're all kind of scratching their beards and mumbling in their beards, Peter jumps in and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How did Jesus respond? You such a clever man, Peter. You such a brilliant man. I am so glad I chose you as one of my disciples. Man, you are such an amazing person, Peter. No. He didn't say that, right? 
No. What he said, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. (laughs) My Father in heaven revealed that to you. Now, you know, I hear people a lot say, why my wife or my husband or my neighbor or my friend that I'm sharing Christ with and I'm trying to share the Word of God with them, and why can't they become Christians? Well, you've got to understand the Father has to reveal that to them. And that is why we need to be in prayer persistently and consistently and never give up praying for the near and the dear to come to know Jesus Christ. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Because we are not more clever than they are. We're more bright than they are. No. Because Jesus said, those whom the Father draw near. And we need to pray for the Father to draw them, open their spiritual eyes, so they see their desperate need for salvation. Something else I need to tell you about the gift of the word of knowledge, because the word of knowledge is related to the gift of knowledge. A well-known evangelist, a man of God who really been used of God, named F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer was preaching one time in Edinburgh, Scotland. In the middle of the sermon, he said, there's someone here who will never have peace with God and never have peace with himself until he pays the three pounds and 18 shillings that he owed to his employer. He did not have a clue what he was talking about. A few days later, a young man walked up to him, and he said, I am the one that you were talking about. And he said, yesterday, I wrote a check for three pounds and 18 shillings, and the Lord has forgiven me. I now have the peace of God in my life and in my heart. And that is why there are several things I need to tell you about the Word of Knowledge. The first thing you must understand is that the Word of Knowledge must always, always, always consistent with the Word of God. If it is not, throw it out. Toss it out. The second thing is that Word of Knowledge must never be self-serving. Hey, the Lord told me, give me a hundred (laughs) bucks. He told me to tell you to do that, right? That's self-serving. I know it's a crude way of doing it, but that's, I, I want to blow it so you can see it. But you must be careful of people who give you a word of knowledge out of self-serving stuff. Remember what I told you about counterfeit gifts? Be careful. Why? Because the gift of knowledge, by its very visibility, tends to puff up. It really does. The gift of knowledge by its very nature, brings power, and that can be totally messed up and become an opportunity for Satan to really destroy people. And that is why wisdom must always go hand in hand with knowledge. Even from a worldly perspective, I read a story not long ago about a factory in Michigan in the first part of the 1900s. The factory manager could not get this machine to work for anything. I mean, he tried everything, couldn't get it going. So finally, he brought an expert into the situation. The expert came in, and you know the definition of experts. If you don't, I'm not going to tell you. An expert comes in, and within a minute, he figured out what the problem was. So he took a hammer, and he went to a certain part of the machine, and he banged on it. And sure enough, it began to hum so quickly, so fast, just like it was before. And then he submitted a bill for $1,000. Now, that's a lot of money back then. A lot of money. The manager demanded an itemized (laughs) bill. (laughs) So this is how he wrote it. He said, 
$10 for hitting the machine with a hammer. $999 for knowing where to hit. <laughs> now, it works the same in the spiritual gifts too. Wisdom must be there with knowledge, and you see them constantly together in the Scripture. I pray for you for knowledge and wisdom, knowledge and wisdom, knowledge and wisdom. They have to go together, because knowledge by itself just is stored up information in the mind, and it can be misused. Knowledge by itself, without being adequately applied, not only can become ineffective, but it can be harmful. And that is why wisdom must always accompany knowledge. Sadly, today we have many academics and politicians and business people who are bulging with knowledge, but very little wisdom. You say, well, how come? You see, the gift of wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge to a vexing situation. The gift of wisdom is the ability to weigh the true nature of the situation. The gift of wisdom is the ability to exercise spiritual insight into the situation. The gift of wisdom is the ability to apply the Scripture to a given situation. Now, the Bible gives us an example of how the gift of wisdom, when it is used, brings glory to God. All the gifts, when they're used, they must bring glory to God. If they don't, you're better off without using them. It has to bring glory to God. Do you remember in the book of Genesis, chapter 41, when Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream? Pharaoh recognized Yahweh in Joseph. Immediately, he saw that that wisdom came from Jehovah God. In 2 Chronicles 1.8, Solomon prayed. He said, Lord, he's, I mean, he could have given him anything. And he said, no, I just want knowledge and wisdom. And God gave him both. When Daniel sought God in interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he prayed, to you, O God, the God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom. And in the New Testament, the Bible said in Acts 6.3 that the first seven deacons were men who filled with wisdom. They were men of good reputation, full of the spirit of wisdom. And one of them, in 6.10 of the book of Acts, it says of Stephen that the crowd, the people, could not stand up against the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. But by now, I'm sure some of you are asking, how does God's wisdom differ from other wisdoms? And I'm glad you asked that question because it's an important question, and I want to answer it. The Bible speaks about four types of wisdom. First, there is natural wisdom, and that is the combination of intellectual capacity and experience. And this wisdom is different from worldly wisdom. I'm going to come to worldly wisdom in a minute. It's a technical wisdom. It's the fruit of natural reasoning. It's man's best answer to a given problem. Most of those who have that natural wisdom, they neither acknowledge that it comes from God, nor do they rely on God for it. This type of wisdom that politicians and lawyers and policemen and professionals use but then the Bible talks about a second type of wisdom, which is worldly wisdom. Upon that wisdom, God declares war. Listen to what God said 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Why? Because this type of wisdom leads people away from God. This type of wisdom leads people to deny God, the Creator God. This type of wisdom proclaims that man is God. This type of wisdom rationalizes and justifies sin. This type of wisdom keeps people from coming to God. This type of wisdom is demonic. It is Satan's wisdom. It is so disguised that it looks like God's wisdom. It's the kind of wisdom that Satan used to deceive Adam and Eve in the garden. It's the kind of wisdom that is used today in this doctrine of separation of society from God. It is used to remove God from public life. It's the kind of wisdom that is used to remove the laws of God from our courts. It's the kind of wisdom that replaces God with the government. It is used to call evil good and good evil. It is a kind of worldly wisdom that says that if it doesn't hurt anybody else, it's okay. And beloved, listen to me. Younger generations are falling knee-deep in that type of wisdom. And that is why we need to learn how to pray with authority, how to pray specifically and deliberately and take authority over this type of wisdom that is deceiving our young people. Then thirdly, the Bible talks about God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is available to every one of His children. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can ask for this wisdom, and God will give it to them. I hope I can get through this because emotionally I can easily get torn about testifying to you how many times we came to God desperately seeking His wisdom, and He gave them to us. Time after time after time, we sought them in our home, we sought them in the church, and every time we prayed, God gave it to us. Why? Because God promised it. And let me tell you something, God always keeps His promises. Listen to what James said, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to them. Did you get that? Say amen. It will be given to you when you ask for it. And that wisdom is not ambiguous. It is not nebulous. It is not unclear. In fact, James goes on to to describe that wisdom. He said it's pure in its motive. Pure in its motive. It is peaceable and does not create strife and division for strife and division's sake. Thirdly, it is gentle, not arrogant and boastful. And fourthly, he said, it is filled with mercy, not harsh and unforgiving. And five, he said, it is full of good fruit and without hypocrisy. Young people, listen to me. This is the type of wisdom you need to ask God for when you're dealing with an atheist and a godless professor. It's the kind of wisdom that you need to ask God for as you plan your career. It's the kind of wisdom that you need to pray for as you seek your future mate, life mate. It is the kind of wisdom that all parents need in bringing up of their children. It's the kind of wisdom that we need when dealing with conflicts. But then the Bible again, as I pointed to you, and as part of this series, the Holy Spirit somehow 
chooses to give and endow some people with an extra measure of that knowledge and wisdom. I know some of you have it. That wisdom is applying the Word of God accurately and correctly, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. And that is why it's so tied in with teaching, so tied in with the gift of teaching. Beloved, listen to me. When the gift of wisdom is exercised, you're going to find sinners are repenting. Carnal Christians come under conviction and change. Conflicting parties will restore relationship. Hypocrisy will be exposed, and troubled consciences will be set free and delivered. And if there's a need that is coming upon the believers, is the learning how with those the gifts of the Holy Spirit to take authority over the demonic forces that seem to be set loose in the world today, in the schools, in society. And as the Spirit of God seemed to be departing, evil spirit. Just like in the life of Saul, you remember how they said when the Spirit of God left him. And I know it says some of you would get troubled by this. This evil spirit from the Lord came to him because they believed everything is, is God is sovereign over everything. But the fact is, it is a fact that when the Holy Spirit is scorned, an evil spirit comes in. When the Holy Spirit is not welcomed, those devils who leave bring seven more and come back. And we need to learn how to take authority over these demonic forces. Above all, those who have the gift of knowledge and wisdom, like all other gifts, must humbly recognize that it is God who gave it to them. Nothing special in them. It is God's gift. And just as Pharaoh recognized Yahweh in Joseph's wisdom, just as Nebuchadnezzar recognized Jehovah God in Daniel's wisdom, just as people recognized Jesus in Stephen's wisdom, others will glorify God and recognize His gift in you as you exercise it. Father God, everything we have comes from Your hand. There's nothing that we have that we created ourselves There is no such thing as a self-made Christian. Father, we praise you that all of your gifts come from you, and we pray right now that you bless your servants, those who know that they have the gifts and those who need to be challenged. Lord, I pray that they will use it, that you will give them expressions to use it, that you give them opportunities to use it, and I pray above all that they will dedicate themselves on a daily basis, hour-by-hour basis, so that Jesus be glorified in them and that people just like Pharaoh saw God in Joseph's wisdom, that people of the world will see you, Lord Jesus, in their gift. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.